Welcome to Whole Into the Full with myself, Emma Rose. And I am Chrissy Reinveld. And we are so excited to yes. be back. We are so excited that you are here with us. Um, we have some special treats for you guys today. Yes, we do. And if it's the first time that you're joining us, just something to know is we're both students at Fuller Theological Seminary. I am studying to be a clinical psychologist. So I'm in my first year, just finished my first quarter. Um, and I'm looking at trauma and spirituality. I'm and so crazy. proud of you. First quarter Thanks. done. And you're done with your first year. <laughs> first year. It's big. Yeah. Yes. yeah. So why don't you tell everyone what you're doing? Yeah. So I am doing the Masters of Divinity and I am focusing on the pastoral counseling track to become a chaplain in the army. Yay! Yes. And so we've learned a lot this quarter. And mm -hmm. I feel like we've been talking a lot about emerging adulthood, insecure yes. attachment, and faithing and wrestling. And we've had like over 5,000 views already on just faithing and wrestling. So I'm just so excited to see. It is insane. To share what this is. It is so humbling, is. honestly, because yeah. it's like we did not expect that. And so um, in a way, it just really makes me take it seriously that, you know, people are watching and you're interested mm -hmm. and um, just know that we really appreciate it and we are honored and we are just excited to continue today yeah. and share our treats with you. Yes. So <laughs> do you want to share our first treat? Yes. So, okay. So as we said, we've been talking about um, secure attachments, emerging adulthood, growing, faithing, wrestling with God, all of these topics. And um, so we talked about a book called Growing With, and we actually have uh, a co-author and um, my professor, Dr. Argue, with us today. And I am just so excited. And I already told him I'm nervous, but I'm just <laughs> honestly so excited for you guys to meet him because he's amazing. And it's just cool because we've been talking about this and now we have the subject matter act, subject matter expert. expert. <laughs> Good job, Chrissy. You're doing great. Thank you. <laughs> with us to just share and kind of close out this first quarter with us. So yeah. as you can see behind us, Dr. Argue, we are so excited to have you. Thank you for being with us. Hey, Chrissy. <laughs> hey, Emma Rose. So good to be with you. I feel really weird. Like I'm looking over your shoulder. Like <laughs> sort of a weird sort of dynamic right now. But it's so good to be with you. I'm a fan with what you were doing. You know, mm. we were just talking before we started recording how much I appreciate you two doing something that's pretty remarkable. You're pretty pretty vulnerable with your learning. You're sort of sharing as you go. Uh, I think a lot of times we uh, are afraid to do that. Like we feel like we have to have our act together before we can share anything. But I think you're inviting all of us into a really important conversation. And I think it's these type of conversations that make us lifelong learners. So I appreciate what you're doing. Uh, and it's Thank so great you. to be with you today. Awesome. Thank you so much. Your words just mean so much to us. Yeah. I know for sure. Um, so can you share a little bit about yourself, um, what you do, just so that our audience knows who you are and, um, yeah, how you ended up here? Yes. <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah, really quick. Um, I, uh, I'm a professor at, uh, here at Fuller Theological Seminary in the School of Mission and Theology. I oversee the, really the Department of Youth, Family, and Culture. Um, so I spend a lot of my time thinking about youth and the family dynamics and culture that all sort of impact the way we think about young people. Um, and I also uh, work at the Fuller Youth Institute, which is one of our centers here at the Fuller Youth Institute. We have lots of different centers that really are sort of committed um, to outreach. How do we actually take the work that we do and do research and come up with ideas that really help and resource um, churches and parents and leaders along the way? So what I love about my role is I get to do great things like teach students like 
you all. Um, and at the same time, I get to go and talk with ministry leaders and actually do research and talk with young people and sort of bring these together. So I get to bring my research to you, and then I get to sort of test my thinking out with all of you and then take it back to uh, churches as well. And so this really kind of embodies something that's been important to me really mm. over the last couple of decades. I've been a youth pastor. I've been um, a next-gen uh, pastor. I've thought really hard about sort of the um, formational arc of young people. Um, in ministry settings. And a lot of times what happens uh, with us sort of faculty types is we have questions that we want answers to, which turns into our research, which turns into our dissertations, which turns into the work that we do. So a lot of what we do, and I think you've even expressed this in some of your own um, webcasts, is um, it's sort of a journey that we're on. We're sort of asking our own questions that turn into the research and the things that we get passionate about. So I'm pretty passionate about advocating for young people in through many different ways. I'm not a youth pastor anymore. Really, like, kudos to all you youth pastors out there. You guys are doing it. You're crushing it um, in a really, really crazy time. Um, I've been there um, with you, uh, but this is a unique season. But I hope that in the role that I can play, I can bring empathy, but also um, support from just sort of a different sort of way. So here I am, and that's what we do. That's so cool. Honestly, I feel like what you do truly equips the youth pastors to be effective and to really learn um, what they can do to help the youth so much. Just, I mean, I'm not even a youth pastor, but I know that I'm more equipped after taking your class than mm -hmm. I ever was. So I just, I just appreciate what you do. Oh, thanks, awesome. Chrissy. Appreciate yeah. that a lot. That's awesome. Yeah. So you talked about embodiment a little bit, and you're basically doing it, learning, sharing, being part of it. And we talked a bit about doubt and faithing and mm -hmm. wrestling last, uh, last episode. And I think going into the holidays, we're all a little excited and nervous coming yeah. together with family. And I think we're also, you know, I don't know about you guys, but for me, I'm nervous because I know that some people are probably doubting. Some people are probably doubting the goodness of God in the middle of this season. Um, and so I, I'm one of the things that you said in one of your Fuller Studio videos was that sometimes we try to come up with a quick fix because it's the fear in you that creates the fear in me. And I notice that fear and I don't like it. So I want to squelch it. And yeah. so I'm just curious, like, with all of us going into the holidays and going into Christmas next week, like is, I guess, is there anything that you would share with us in terms of like what we can do in those moments where we start to feel that fear and we, we see the doubt and we want to help someone in that space yeah. or help ourselves in that space yeah. even. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. I mean, I, I think in the work that I do, I hear this conversation all the time. I mean, whether it's like, like at a restaurant I'm going to or people that I know or students, they're kind of like the holidays, you know, and there's this like, there's this like deep breath because we're kind of excited, but we also know we're sort of um, coming back together. And uh, Emma Rose, before I answer your question, I'm just yeah. going to back up a little bit and maybe just give a little bit of context. Um, a couple of things. First of all, um, another thing that I do is um, I've developed a resource called Emerging.Live, and Emerging.Live is um, dedicated to uh, emerging adults that want a little bit of support along the way. And I actually just dropped a free uh, episode called, um, uh, it's called the holiday edition, wow. which is exactly the reason that we're talking about. Oh my gosh. That's uh, so awesome. cool. Yeah. And so, um, if you go to emerging.live, you can find your way there. I can probably send you, um, the link as well, but it's free for anybody. And it's just, um, three different videos that really just ask these questions of like, 
you know, as I step into these spaces as an emerging adult, how do I hold who I am? What are the conversations I want to have? What's the role that I'm projecting um, within these situations? Because what happens a lot of times um, with young people is I think when we gather with family, we kind of default to the the family role, right? Yeah. Yeah. Of who we're supposed to be or what people expect us to be. The challenge with young people, teenagers, late teenagers, and especially emerging adults, and Christy would know this from our class, Mm -hmm. is that they're coming into their own. This is really the space where they're beginning to, uh, you all are beginning to sort of name what's important to you. You are sort of stepping out away from what everybody has said and sort of begin to think about like, well, what do I really believe? What am I holding on to? What am I bringing forward with me? And what am I leaving behind? Uh, and this sometimes creates a, a strange dynamic with those that you're related to, because all of a sudden, um, uh, you know, Emma Rose, as you said, it creates this relational dynamic where you say something or an emerging adult says something and other people in the room are like, well, wait a minute, I've never heard that before. Yeah, That's, right. that's completely new or strange to me. What are you becoming? A conservative, a liberal, yeah. constructionist, uh, whatever, right? And so what happens is, is you'll notice uh, in, in these family dinners a lot of times is people will be quick to label because if I can mm. label, I can name it. And if I name it, I can control it. And if wow. I control it, I can put you in a particular category and not actually have to deal with perhaps the vulnerability the vulnerable statement that a young person has made. So what we find in the research and some of the work that I've done with college students is this, is that um, when we think about this idea of belief and faithing, and I know you guys have talked about that, so we won't necessarily uh, revisit all that, is that um, it has a relational connection to it. That we are not people that live in isolation. I can't sort of atomize myself and you atomize yourself and we just kind of live our lives. When we truly faith, when we live a life of faithing, we express it in such a way that it actually bumps into the people that we know, love, and care for and live with, right? And as a result, we can't help but actually feel the impulse, the energy, the decisions that each of us make, which create um, this interesting dynamic. So what happens a lot of times is, uh, as Christy and I know from uh, my, my class, is uh, sometimes people will raise a question or doubt and in their sort of own faith journey that cr- makes other people really, really anxious. Mm, yep. And so the impulse then is to quickly dismiss or answer the question or pull them back to the traditional pat answer. Yep. Um, not only to sort of put this person in line, but also that I don't have to actually address this question. This is really true of older people in the sense that sometimes what happens with older types is they in their mind have negotiated the tensions or the questions that they've had when they were younger and have either uh, put them aside or have forgotten about them. And sometimes for young people, it raises these questions all over again. And so parents and adults sometimes all of a sudden have this visceral reaction like, oh my gosh, yeah. oh my, oh my gosh, this is a question that I used to ask and I didn't know what to do with it. And I see this a lot with parents of teenagers where they'll call, if you're a youth pastor out there, you get this all the time, they'll call you and say, fix my child, right? They're acting, asking these questions. They're being disrespectful. Can you kind of fix them so that we don't really have to talk about this at home, right? And it's in those moments with youth pastors that I would just say to you, like, that's the moment where you realize that the parents are wrestling with their own faith and doubts. Wow. That the way that we step into that space is instead of saying, oh, yes, mom, dad, I'll go and fix your kid. It's to say, so tell me what that's like for you. Mm. 
what what's why is that so challenging to you? Um, do you think that maybe this is a moment where they're asking some questions? How might you encourage it and walk with them rather than try to quickly shut that down? And I think that if we give um, adults and parents room to do that, it opens up possibilities for the newer, deeper, more important conversations that young people are really, um, really trying to navigate. And here's the other thing. I'll say one more thing. Uh, and I, I know you guys probably want to come back uh, and respond, but I think sometimes as adults, we forget that teenagers and emerging adults are having these experiences of faith and doubt oftentimes for the first time. Mm. Okay. It's new to them. Uh, when we're older, we're like, well, that's not that big of a deal or they'll get through it. Or, mm-hmm. you know, I work through it. You'll get through it as well. But for uh, a teenager or an emerging adult that has this first thought that maybe everything that I believe isn't called totally true, that what if the way I thought about God or the Bible or Christianity isn't quite the way it's, it is? Like, how? what do I do with that? Mm-hmm. That's a disorienting moment for that because they've never experienced that before. And it's a vulnerable moment for them as well. And so the worst thing that we can do is shut it down, dismiss it, or blow it off. It's actually the moment where, and I, I, I just did another video this last week for something that I'm working on. Um, it's the space where we have to lean in rather than step away. And when we lean in, we are actually not leaning in to solve the problem. We are actually leaning in to hold the questions with those that we love. And that takes something of us. I think there's something deeply theological about that, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Where we carry one another's burdens, where we actually are willing to play this role of saying we are connected with each other and we're going to walk with each other through thick and thin, right? We grieve with those that we grieve. We rejoice with those who we rejoice, right? All these things are more than just intellectual um, ideas. They're deeply and profoundly embodied, emotional, uh, and relational connections that we are making to one another, which takes time. And quite frankly, it's not very efficient. (laughs) Um, You can't solve it quickly. That's the place where I think the spirit really begins to work if we're really uh, willing to allow the spirit to to move. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Like We have to be, one, humble enough to allow the spirit to do that and yeah. like you said, work through our own fears and doubts to walk with them. Yeah. I, yeah. I think about, I don't want to say specific people, but I think about people in my life that I have been that person where I've been like, why, why are they asking this or why are they acting this way? And you mentioned it, it could, we consider it as like a rebellious thing, you know, like they're just being defiant when really they're just asking and they're just you know, mm-hmm. that is their wrestling. And so through that journey, we can actually grow with them. And yeah. like you said, it's kind of convicting because we, from our past, have had moments where we definitely were not those people. And so we have to give ourselves grace to mm-hmm. know like, okay, we were still learning through that too and through that journey. Yeah. I, I feel like leaning in is so right. It's like so the right thing to do. It feels so much harder to mm-hmm. do versus say. And, um, and I just think about, I mean, I was thinking about the embodied God, the embodied Jesus Christ who went on the cross, you know, totally had the stripes, the thorns, everything, everything all over his body. And, um, when he came back, um, it's not like he came back in a full bodied self without the, without piercings. Like Thomas had to lean in and the Lord welcomed that to lean in, to actually poke and and feel out 
the embodied pain mm-hmm. that he took on in suffering for us. And so I was just thinking about like how much there's like you have to be patient to kind of go into that place with someone else where there is the doubt, where there is the pain. And I just feel like is the answer then you say to the person, let's talk more about that and not let the conversation end on Christmas, but like follow up and, you know, do the walk. Like how do we tactically take it beyond just like that moment? Because I feel like it can't just end at that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Great for bringing it back to the holiday question. Thanks uh, for that. So yeah, first of all, let me just say something about embodiment. Yeah. I mean, Jesus incarnation like legitimizes the fact that faith is an embodied element, right? right. Yep. It's not yep. just the theoretical. Right. You know? Right. And um, we don't just think about faith. We actually live it. So we're going to, we're going to feel that. And I would say, yeah, I mean, um, one of the things I, I tell emerging adults all the time is like, you're not going to solve it all over like, Christmas dinner, you like, you you know, so I I think sometimes it's like, you don't want to walk in the room and be like, okay, here's what I believe and you drop it and then you go and eat your pie. You know what I mean? Like, I I just think, I think sometimes we have to just recognize the fact that that's probably not going to happen. But I do think we can, I think as emerging adults, tactively think about, well, what are the conversations that I want to have rather than just um, being anxious and waiting for the conversation to come your way that you're afraid Mm. of? You know what I mean? Like, oh my gosh, uncle's going to bring up that political issue. I know mom's going to ask me about dating and I know dad is going to make some sort of weird comment about church, right? And then you're like, oh, right? But what are the questions as an emerging adult that you want to talk about? And I think you can maybe start to say, hey, you know what? Some of the things I've been learning about is this. You know, what do you think about that? Or, um, you know, I don't have any answers yet, but I'm just kind of curious of your opinion. So I think what you're doing is you're not making declaratives, but you're actually kind of sharing what you're learning. And I think people that love you are going to, take that tactic. And I think if you're on the receiving end of that, I just think, um, we, you know, we see a lot of this and work with empathy and also just curiosity. I think we just need to have a curious tone, right? Yeah. Um, to not react to people's statements, but to actually kind of say, so tell me more about that. Or, well, that's an interesting perspective. So what, what's informed it? What new questions has that raised for you? How do you think that that walks out in your life? I mean, if you believe that, what do you think that means for your relationships or that type mm-hmm. of thing? And that is a, as a quiz. But I think what, what we find is a lot of times the statements that people make, we fill in all the places of how they got there and why they believe that. And a lot of times it's negative, yep. <laughs> right? Well, they're just believing that because they're selfish or they just don't want to deal with their stuff, you know, rather than kind of go... Um, Oh, that's really interesting. So how did you get there? Tell me what's going on. And I think sometimes what you'll find is that it comes out of true searching or pain or Mm -hmm. curiosity or um, just interest, right? And I think what we can see is those are the spaces where we have an opportunity to learn more about each other rather than to solve the world's problems. And then I think what that does is if you have a good experience, then I think it does provide opportunity for follow-up sort of after the holidays. Otherwise, if it's a bad experience, we know what we all do. We kind of run to our corners and then Mm. kind of just hold it all out until we have another bad experience the next time we're all together, right? Um, And here's what I believe. And, you know, Chrissy knows this because I'm a bit of an optimist, but I, I actually think people want deeper, meaningful conversations. I actually think people want to walk away from a holiday dinner kind of going... That was all right. Mm, yeah. That was worth it. I I care about these people in my life. And maybe we our lives have pulled apart for a lot of different reasons. Um, but I still love them. I still 
care about them. And, you know, I, I actually think people want that. And I think we've conditioned ourselves to, I don't know, sort of put on our armor and step into these spaces rather than really hope for something better from, from each other. And, you know, and I'm speaking to myself. I mean, I have my own family things that I'm, you know, navigating and it happens way before the holidays. It happened yeah. in a conversation yesterday with a family member. Right. So, you know, um, you know, I think that's the other part is that I think we're almost ramping up with even pre conversations, but, you know, I think this, this generosity and this curiosity maybe is the antidote for, um, uh, reactive responses. And, you know, uh, Emma Rose, you know, this from psychology, I mean, sort of this calibrated loop, right. Where, mm-hmm action and reaction happen over and over again. And we get kind of in this rut where we can almost predict the way everyone's going to act in our family because it's so deeply entrenched in the way we engage each other. It's like, how do we jump that track? How do we create a new way of engagement and some new patterns, right? Um, I think that's the hope. And I I think sometimes the holidays at least can be a place where perhaps we can try it, you know, in 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 a careful sort of way. So good. <laughs> I'm like, where do I go with the short amount of time we have? <laughs> oh, that was all so good. And I, um, I'm thinking about embodiment even further. You're talking about this loop and I'm thinking about how just creating new neural pathways requires a different response mm-hmm. in general, just not just in the vi- individual, but relationally in order to create yeah. those different relational patterns. And I'm curious, are you, and I guess maybe just kind of high level for anyone who doesn't know what embodiment is. Maybe they're super new to the faith and they've never heard this term before. I feel like it's pretty big term at Fuller and we use it all the time. Would you mind just kind of breaking it down for someone who, who this is their first time hearing that? Yeah, well, that's a great question. And, you know, you all probably have your own definitions of that. But I, I just think that when we think about our lives, we think about the whole person, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we, we don't just think about ideas. We, uh, we think about... Things. So I, I'm, I'm sort of, uh, I'm not really uh, happy when we talk about the race issue or the gender issue or, you know, the orientation issue or whatever it might be, because I, I feel like we, de- we dehumanize the fact that, um, especially when we think about race and racial justice, um, you know, our people of color, our brothers and sisters talk deeply about this idea of embodiment. Mm. That, um, yep. We feel it in our whole bodies that there are real people in lives that take up space in the world that are affected by um, the injustices in the world, right? So this isn't just like an oops or like we're thinking wrong. It actually has a dramatic effect on the way people live their lives, right? And we feel the pressure associated with that. Um, and so, you know, I, I think uh, one of the ways that we've talked about it in my class is just that in every concept that we think about, there's a face behind that concept, right? Mm. Name the person, give an example, think about who you're talking about. And I think what this does is it sort of humanizes our theology and reminds us the fact that, um, you know, I I mean, we see this in Jesus' ministry, right? I mean, Jesus is pretty concerned about personhood, about the the real person, uh, not just ideas. And and when we think about it in that way, I think it changes... uh, our theology and it changes our discourse um, in every way, shape and form. I think about it even with social media. Like I think people say things in social media that if there was a real, if they actually envisioned a real person in front of them, they wouldn't say it that way. Right. right? Um, And, and so I think if we're not careful, our, our public discourse can become one of um, just cheap shots, Mm. um, temper tantrums, uh, catching people, uh, you know, 
being wrong rather than trying to say, um, how are we working together to make this world a better place? Yeah. yeah. Um, the good news isn't good news unless it's good news for everybody. Come on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Keep going. These type of things, you know, and, uh, and when we begin to think about it that way, I think, um, I think we just have different con- conversations, right? Um, I, the church I used to work right at in Grand Rapids, we talk about this idea that everything is spiritual, right? So all of a sudden, when we think about embodiment, we think about the fact that, um, <laughs> you know, the work that I do, the relationships that I have, the emails that I write, the things that I do are not like separate from Jesus things. Those are actually making us uh, who we are. And this mm-hmm. sense of embodiment and this idea of everything is spiritual then becomes really, really powerful. Even to the point where think about the work that you're doing as seminarians, the papers that you're writing aren't just for a grade. If they're actually done in faithfulness, the, the, our theology says that there's something that actually lasts for all eternity because they have the potential to make the world a better place, right? I mean, you write papers differently when you when you think about that. And I'm not saying they're going to get published or you're going to become a famous author. I hope you do. But, but I do think that it's this work that we do that actually recognizes the fact that we either can make the world... Um, uh, bring it. We bring, uh, as one of my theologian uh, friends says, uh, we can either bring to the world life or to death. Yeah. Right. It's one or the other. Like in everything that we do, and maybe that's just a better way to actually think about our conversations. Did my mm. conversation bring life or death? Yeah. Right. Um, that that changes. I think the choices that I make and the way that I think about um, my my theology. Yeah. And so I think I think that that's um, crucially. Uh, important. And I think one more thing with about embodiment, I, I do think it roots itself in empathy then, where we perspective take, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's very in, uh, easy for me to superimpose my perspective on you and judge you uh, and judge your actions. Um, but true embodiment actually place shares, right? Where I come into your space and I try to understand where you're coming from. And then uh, and then I realize that perhaps your actions are actually animated from a different narrative and a different perspective that I haven't uh, thought about uh, before. And so the work that we do as Christians to perspective take is really, really important. Uh, too often in many of our Christian circles, we are sort of the identified victim and we uh, think that everybody's against us. And so we just sort of lash out rather than perhaps realizing the fact that um, maybe what we need to do is just try to understand where other people are coming from and uh, and not be so quick to just judge people based on our perspective. Because that's not just, it's just not fair. At, mm-hmm. So I think this embodiment is rooted in, in history and context and culture and um and socioeconomic status and race and gender and all these things wrapped up. And so we, you know, there's this idea, you know, we hear a lot of intersectionality where I think that one of the challenges with emerging adults is we're trying to harmonize all our different our identities. Mm, yeah. Right. And so um, and that's a good thing. Right. We finally have the capacity and the capability in our early 20s and uh, our brain development and the courage to try to hold together all these different narratives that we've inherited along the way to somehow harmonize them, to become who we think God is calling us to be as we step into the future. That's a lot of work. Yep. Um, but that I think is the penultimate of embodiment is that there's a congruency in our living and our thinking um, that actually creates um, a beautiful testimony of good news. Right. Um, and that's what I'm going for. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I just, I find it so cool to hear this because I think even like you said, 
even as Christians, we can be the most judgmental when we learn that we want to be the ones giving the most grace. But unfortunately, Mm -hmm. sometimes if we don't, it's not that we want to be judgmental, but sometimes we just don't feel that grace, whether it's we're not having the grace for ourselves, which then is kind of a ripple effect of Mm -hmm. not feeling or giving grace to other people. And so this whole embodiment, it just, um, what am I trying to say? Like it, it just helps ourselves while we also help grow with other people. Yeah. Yeah. If that's what I'm trying to and say. And it probably builds that growing with capacity, which mm-hmm. is like as long as right. you, I can only love with as much love as you give me, Lord. So it's like kind of coming from that overflow versus mm-hmm. judgment. Um, and yeah. I just, I know that we're we're coming up on, on closing out our time together with our second treat, which, which will be our practical pause. But I just want to say thank you for even uh, just illustrating the difference or just the focus of was what I did life-giving or was it yeah. not? And yeah. um, our podcast is like focused, really, I want to say John 10, 10, where God, where Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life to the full. And yep. he brought heaven to earth. He was healing on earth. He was being part of life giving work on earth here now, not waiting yep. until heaven came. So um, I think just even those conversations that we have can bring heaven on earth, yeah. can be life giving. And I just, I'm just, I, I, lo- I was moved by your optimism uh, to be frank, I was like, a, I don't know why I'm cheering up, but I appreciate this optimism because I do think, like, how cool would it be if we went into the holidays, we went into this Christmas season and New Year and whatnot, thinking, like, what could be different intentionally? Like, what yeah. could be different? What conversations could I have that could be meaningful? What can give life in this, like, three, four, five, six, seven, eight hours together? Yeah. You know? So good. <laughs> Good so good. I mean, one of the practices that I have that I'm, it's not the one I'm going to share, but like when I go through an airport, I, I look at people and I wonder where they come from, but I try to say to my, look at them and just go made in the image of God. Yes. God. Made in the image of God. Right. So good. When I think about, I probably should do that more with my family. <laughs> like when I walk into that space to look at my crazy uncle and just go made in the image of God. Right. And I, I just wonder if it at least gives us pause, yeah. as you said, to be be optimistic and hopeful about the people that we're with rather than what we all do. What I, I'll just speak for myself, what I do, I'm quick to judge um, who they are, what they're about, how they're going to react. You know, it's almost like I, I anticipate it and I force it to happen because of my own attitude. Right. So, I mean, little changes in our end, I will bring about changes. Right. I, I, yeah. I think that's true. And, um, and so I think there's a lot of truth in what you're saying. So that that's the so thought good. that came to mind when you said that. Thank you so much. Yeah. So good. So good. And I know that, um, I mean, we talked about having a second treat at the top of the episode. And our second treat is the fact that we are going to do the practical pause for everyone on YouTube and everywhere where you catch your podcast. So you no longer have to join us on Patreon to access this one. But if you want to join all of the other practical pauses, our our future recordings and past recordings, you can join us on Patreon. Go to wholeintothefull.com. And we're so excited that Dr. Argue is going to lead us through a spiritual practice to try on. I'm excited because I feel selfish in a way that we get to receive it. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It's all for us. Well, you're really setting me up now. Now I'm feeling anxious. No, um, <laughs> I, I I want to, I mean, I think just in the spirit of embodiment, I, I was thinking about a practice that I have found helpful. And that is, is I, I do think as, um, as people, 
um, we're, we're, we're horrendous breathers. Have you ever noticed the way we breathe? It's like, it, it isn't very deep. It isn't very uh, centering. Um, but one of the, one of the most uh, reliable rhythms that we have as human beings is our breathing. Like we, we need to breathe, right? So the inhaling and the exhaling um, are intentional. And if we look uh, historically, we find that there's just a lot of Christian practices regarding prayer that really focus in on that and allow us to um, embody our prayer rather than just think about it in our head, actually think yeah. about it in that way. So what I want to do is just lead us in this breathing exercise where um, uh, we're going to inhale something and we're going to exhale something. And I'm just going to do it slowly. Uh, and you don't have to say anything. We'll just do it together. Um, and then I'll just I'll just close us out at the end. Does that sound all right? Sounds good. Okay, so let's just center ourselves. I'd just say get comfortable. Just allow yourself to be aware of your breathing. See if your inhales can match your exhales. And now I'm gonna ask you to begin breathing in, so get ready for that. I want you to breathe in peace and breathe out anxiety. I want you to breathe in grace and breathe out guilt. you to breathe in love, breathe out fear, breathe in stillness, and breathe out striving. you to breathe in the Holy Spirit. Breathe out the self. I want you to breathe in this phrase, you must increase, I must decrease. Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, we thank you that we do not have to ask you to be with us, for you promise to always be with us. Make us more aware of your presence. May we breathe in the things that you give us and have the courage to breathe out the things that hold us back, that limit our imagination, that cut off our hope. And my friends, may this holiday season be one of hope and anticipation. May you have the courage to lean in to the conversations and the relationships that you encounter rather than step back. May you be filled with curiosity rather than judgment. And may you have the courage to even share the hope that you have and the story that's unfolding 
uh, in your own lives. And may you know God's grace and peace. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Mm. Yes, thank you so much. I feel like I a feel different person right now. <laughs> I agree. Like, how do I come back and have as much energy after feeling so peaceful? <laughs> It's good. It's thank good. you so much, Dr. Argue. I seriously, I know I've said this, but thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for sharing with our viewers and honestly preparing me and Emma yeah. for the holiday season and our viewers. Yeah. Well, it's been a delight and I appreciate you both. Keep up the great work. I'm a fan and uh, I feel really honored uh, to be invited onto your show. So take care and uh, we'll chat soon, I'm sure. Okay. Thank you, thank Dr. You Argue. So Bye. Bye. -bye.